I was in college, put myself through school, and I was a waitress. And Jeff came into the place that I was working one day, and he walked in, and I looked over, and I saw this man that was just unbelievably handsome. The first time I walked in, I thought, wow, she, she could be the one. And I thought, who in the heck is that? She was beautiful. She was everything I had ever dreamed about in a wife, and actually asked her out for a date. We were in love with each other. Uh, I couldn't sleep well. <laughs> um, I had butterflies all the time, and he seemed to have the same. Probably nine months after we started dating, Cheryl had to go off to Dayton, Ohio for some training. When I came back, uh, Jeff uh, picked me up from the airport, whisked me off to uh, one of our favorite restaurants. The waitress came uh, back to our table. And he pulls up the top of the platter and there's a box. It had a big bow on it. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to ask me to marry him. And she said yes. We were whisked off to wonderful Southern California for our life together. I mean, it was all about just, you know, how much money could we make? We bought a house with a beautiful ocean view. We had all the things of the world. We could spend money, go shopping, buy the right clothes. I thought our marriage was going great. I thought we had the perfect life. Perfect life. Most of us, when we're in that place of getting married, have that anticipation. We know it's not going to be like perfect, perfect. We probably think it's going to be perfect. And you may remember Jeff and Cheryl. We showed them a couple times. They just uh, demonstrate what we're going to talk about this morning uh, so well. Uh, they talk about their life together, and then they get into a time where their love is broken. And so as we continue on with our series, uh, Can't Touch This, uh, we're in our segment number two. Uh, we've got two more weeks after this, then we'll be getting back into uh, seeking, uh, but uh, next week we're going to talk about being alone, and the following week we're going to talk about alternative lifestyles and what Jesus says about all of that. So uh, tough subjects, a little too hot to touch, but we feel we uh, need to talk about them. So again, uh, no marriage is perfect, uh, no life together is perfect, but when those love lives start, uh, we anticipate uh, just a good life together, just like Jeff and Cheryl. My thought of a perfect marriage was one of romance, great communication, having a great home. I was doing my best to be the perfect wife to him and be, actually I was being fake. What started to happen to me was there was a, what I would call a numbness that started to happen. I didn't understand it. I started um, getting angry inside. As I was feeling emptier and emptier and emptier, uh, I started putting more time into my job. The men at work were paying a lot of attention to me and I enjoyed it. One year, um, I went to our national sales meeting. I started talking to a man that I had known for a long time. And he started talking about his marriage and how uh, he wasn't happy. And I thought, oh my gosh, um, that sounds like me. This man flew into California, into Los Angeles um, to meet with me one day. And um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but um, we met at a hotel and that's when the relationship became physical. And when I 
succumb to a full-blown uh, adulterous affair. This morning's uh, message is not uh, designed to pick on anybody. It's not designed to make anybody feel super uncomfortable. But it is designed for us to be reflective. Uh, this is kind of the world we live in. And uh, a lot of us have been touched by a love broken, by a ultimate divorce, by unfaithfulness. And uh, so we just need to unpack this a little bit. And I hope that as we leave this morning, uh, we'll all have an anticipation or a hope that it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, that in some cases, uh, life, love can be restored and not just uh, survive, but actually there can be a thriving in that relationship, in the relationships. Um, all of us, no matter who we are, uh, no matter if we've been married a zillion years or not, or whatever, will come up against these concepts and these ideas. And we need to be, in a sense, ready for them. We need to be able to respond to them rather than get caught up with them subtly. And uh, so th this is, this is uh, you know, important that uh, we talk about. And again, it's, it seems a little too hot to touch. Uh, my tone, my way of talking about this, again, is with grace and truth. And I'm trying to save some of you from making some mistakes as I'm reminding myself of those things. And I'm also trying to create some hope and some healing uh, for those out there. So uh, this isn't in your message guide, but, uh, you know, this idea of love starting to break down, and we see this in Cheryl's life. Uh, you discuss very personal topics such as problems in your current relationship. Uh, you believe this person really gets you. This person takes over your thoughts. Uh, he or she may become the first person you want to call with any kind of news. And when those kinds of things start to creep into who you are, especially when you're in relationship with another person, uh, that, that is a, a warning sign. You need to ask, why is that? What do I do with that? Because those things left unchecked at bare minimum, just create a gap with your relationship with your spouse. Uh, they create a, I'm going in a little bit different direction. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's great when, it, when a marriage has, a, it's a difficult marriage, but people stay committed to each other. But it, it, it can be better than that. It, it needs to be more than just commitment. So how do we keep the door open to it being better than just I'm, you know, hunkering down and I'm going to stay in this thing because I'm supposed to stay in this thing. Uh, another just uh, little warning signs, you frequently compare your spouse to him or her. Uh, you spend a lot of time together. You start to lie or keep secrets. Uh, your spouse gets less of you while your special person gets more of you. So those, those are just some of, of the warning things that can come into our life when we're talking about love broken and, and protecting ourselves against that happening. All through this series, we've uh, talked about the option matrix, and this is all about going to the scriptures, going to the Bible, then going with the Bible. Uh, there are extra ones of these available at uh, guest services, also online you can pick one up. So if you want a little bit more of a grid to think about all these kinds of things that are too hot 
to touch. You can also go to our website if this is one of your first Sundays and see some of the other subjects we covered earlier on in the fall and what we've covered thus far, uh, just to talk about that. Also, if you want to get uh, dig deeper into some of these things and really unpack these, uh, you can go to our resource center, our library. We have lots of books. Also, there's Right Now Media, which uh, Mariah mentioned earlier. All the details are there. So, again, th this subject, uh, I, I want you to see that there's hope. This, this week I called a friend of mine, and uh, this friend of mine, uh, he, he uh, succumbed to uh, a, an affair. And uh, his marriage broke up, and he and his uh, wife were divorced for seven years. And uh, it's a little similar to um, Jeff and Cheryl's story. And today, they've been married, remarried, for 23 years. Now, those are extreme examples. Those are possible. And, you know, I, I double-checked a little bit. This is a little weird. But I said to him, and he was fine with it, they, they are happily married now. It's just not like they remarried just for their kids and they, they are loving life together. And that's not to make you feel sad if you're not loving together, loving your life with your uh, spouse or your significant whatever, whoever, but, but it's something to shoot for. It is possible. Uh, my friend, it was, it was a number of years. He walked away from the marriage. They were divorced and, uh, and uh, they got remarried. And uh, again, it's been 23, 22 years and uh, life is, it just continues, continues to get better. He's, uh, he's, I can say he's in his mid 60s right now. So, and then, and then I have a friend uh, who's uh, same kind of thing. Uh, it was not a long duration like this other friend of mine. And, uh, you know, he failed, and uh, they were able to put things back together. It took them two or three years, and uh, they, they worked hard at it. They, they were intentional, driven to put things together. And, you know, it's kind of funny. This is a, a no-judgment zone in a sense. Somebody says, uh, what I mean by that is don't be judgmental. All the time, you and I need to make evaluations, make judgment calls, and we're making that according to the scriptures, but it's not to come down with a self-righteous judgmental tone. Uh, but, um, you, you, you know, it was interesting for this person. He was a, a well-known person. And uh, what's interesting is other people wouldn't necessarily forgive him, but his wife forgave him. And I can remember talking to somebody about it, and they said, well, I guess if his wife can forgive him, I should be able to forgive him. Uh, it's kind of a little out of uh, bounds for that kind of a thing. So again, it is possible. It is possible. Now, it, we're going to see as we unpack this, uh, sometimes it is impossible for various reasons. But as we would also unpack, we're going to see really it's where your heart is at. Uh, you can manufacture it is impossible. Or you can manufacture it is possible when it isn't and carry a heavy, heavy, heavy load. It's about you walking with God, knowing God, and having his spirit speak to your heart and lead you through these waters. No story about this is really exactly the same. There might be some similarities, but no story is exactly the same. So it really comes back to your heart. 
And it comes back to you being genuine and being honest and, and really engaging in trying to figure this out. And uh, so, so it's, I'm, I, again, I want to, it is possible to figure this out. It's possible to have uh, not perfect closure, but some kind of closure on either side of this and try to figure out how you uh, have life after love broken or life after love restored. So uh, trying, to, trying to, again, give you those two options here. So as we, as we think about this, um, you know, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes about this. We're also going to look at a couple passages that uh, Jesus talks about. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrased, translates. Uh, you got to remember, Eugene Peterson is a Greek or was a Greek linguistic Hebrew scholar. So this wasn't someone reading English, looking at the times, and going, oh, this is a better word. This is a man who knew the Greek, could pick up a Greek Bible and look in Greek and read it to you in English. He, scholar, 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 uh, you, know, uh, you know, integrity, all those kinds of things. So when he would write these passages, when he would uh, translate, however you want to say it, uh, he would start with the original language and he would look at the context. So sometimes you say, wow, why is that in there? It's because he's including verses four or five verses earlier, the concept, and he's bringing them all together. So he's actually helping us because he's saying, you know, when this is referenced, he's really referencing this in three or four verses prior or maybe even the chapter prior. So you, you have to understand that and you, you need to look at it with an eye. I usually have both a couple translations side by side. So just uh, giving you uh, just a little background with that. So we have 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 10 through 11. And if you are married, stay married. This is the master's command, not mine. If your wife should leave her husband, she must remain either remain single or else come back and make things right with him. And a husband has no right to get rid of his wife. There's some cultural things going on here, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But a, a husband could just, like, put away his wife, get rid of his wife with no strings attached. And, and Paul's saying, you, 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 can't, you can't do that. And, and a wife, uh, she couldn't, like, stay in the community and get, you know, separate from her husband, especially if he was abusive and all that. She had to, like, take off and get out of his uh, reach, if you will. So, so that's what's uh, kind of going on here. And uh, we see again as, uh, as uh, Jeff and Cheryl unpack their situation, we can kind of tie it into uh, these passages we're looking at. I was at home um, one evening reading the girls a bedtime story and the doorbell was ringing and it's the sheriff serving me with divorce papers. I'd signed for the papers, headed back up the stairs, finished reading the bedtime story to the girls, put them down, and then just basically went crazy. Went downstairs, I'm like, what is this all about? And I was cold. I was cold to him. I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to go to counseling. I didn't want to make the marriage work. And so I divorced him on August 21st, 1992. says this, any man who divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you that any man who divorces his wife, 
except for the problem of sexual sin, is causing his wife to be guilty of adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman is guilty of adultery. We'll continue to unpack those thoughts at a first glance. You're going, what? But as we unpack it, we're going to see where Jesus is getting at. So let's uh, keep moving along. Hold those thoughts. Let me finish the message, and you'll see where we end. So if something's like really going, that's not right, that's not fair, you'll see uh, where we are going. For those first three years following the divorce, I was so angry at Cheryl that I couldn't even look at her. I started pretty quickly after the divorce going to a Friday morning men's Bible study. And finally, about three years after the divorce, one night in my bed reading the Bible, came across a passage in Proverbs. It was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it was just, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And through that, God was just showing me, Jeff, you've been leaning on your own understanding for years. And for the first time, I want you to trust in me with all your heart. And that night, as I sat there in bed and just prayed and cried and wept, I think for the first time, I realized, you know, I need give up, surrender my whole heart to the Lord. And that night, uh, Jesus became first in my life. You're going to see where this is going. For Jeff, the starting point in the rest of his life, whether it includes Cheryl or not, is his relationship with God. This morning, if you've never said yes to Christ, if you've never placed your trust in Christ. Uh, what we're going to be talking about is extremely, extremely difficult when you don't have God a part of your life. Possible, maybe, you can make some restitutions. We could come up with some stories there, things were kind of worked out, but we're saying the basic starting place is your relationship with God. Jeff discovers this. We're going to see that Cheryl discovers this. And this is the game changer. And the game changer is not just uh, saying yes to Christ. It is actually being all in. Jeff talks about that. And uh, it, it's hard to have one foot in, if you will, be kind of following him, and then expect other things to be happening in your life. You know, Christ wants all of our heart. He wants all of us. And, you know, he gave all of himself for us. In a few moments when we celebrate communion, we'll be talking about that. We'll be remembering that. So he wants all of us. And, uh, you know, we just, we, just have to, we just have to remember that. All through this series, there's been this idea, and this idea comes from 1 Corinthians. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate or spiritually fitting. Or the right thing to do. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whim. So as you're walking with God, as you're growing in your relationship with God, on a, on a daily basis as that's happening, then as you start to look at things in your life, you say, you don't look at say, what can I get away with? How close can I get to sin, disobedience, self-centered witness without it really being technically wrong? You, you stop thinking that way. And, and that, that's a hard process. And, and quite frankly, there are times where that creeps right back in. All of a sudden, you're, you've kind of made some progress in that. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait a minute, I'm looking at this situation 
through my personal eyes what I can get away with. Uh, what I, how close can I get to the edge without it quote unquote being uh, wrong, without being offensive to God. And uh, th that, that's the wrong starting point. You don't start with what I can get away with. You start with how do I please God? How do I express my love for him because he's expressed his love unconditionally towards me? That's our starting point. That changes everything. That changes the way you and I build our life when we start with not what can I get away with, but how do I please God, not because he's twisting my arm, because it's my delight, it's my pleasure to please God, a personal God. And so when that is the starting point, it, it changes everything. So what does uh, love broken in Jesus' day look like? There's two extreme uh, schools of thought when Jesus was saying these things, when he was talking about this. Uh, the first of all was uh, Hillel, and this was leaving for any reason. They would say you could leave for any reason. Uh, this is the, the idea behind this in Deuteronomy 24.1. If a man marries a woman and then it happens that he no longer likes her because he has found something wrong with her, he may give her divorce papers. And it's even, and this, this, is, this, is, this, this isn't funny, but they're even if you don't like the way he cooks your food, you, you, she cooks your food, you can be done. And so there was a thinking in Jesus' day that, uh, you know, to, to not be married anymore to a person, you can get divorced as long as you have the, the papers, and we'll look at that a little bit more, but it could be for anything. So that's one uh, extreme example. And then there's the other, leaving for adultery, leaving for unfaithfulness. And if there was unfaithfulness, there was a, you, you had a ticket out of the relationship, out of the marriage. This is pretty sick, but I, I've been in situations or been helping couples where, where one of the people wants to get out of the marriage biblically, so they try to set things up so the other person or they actually are unfaithful because they want that free out of marriage card. It just shows you the extent you and I can go to to uh, justify bad behavior, sinful behavior, self-centered behavior. So two extremes, anything, as long as you get that certificate, and then for just this one area of unfaithfulness. Now you read Jesus' words where he talks about remarriage, being adultery, and all of this, and you go, wow, what in the world does that mean? Because you know, I, I know tons of people. I may be one of those people. Uh, you know, what is, what is Jesus really saying to me? Back in verse uh, 32 of chapter 5, you read, Too many of you are using that as a cover for selfishness and a wind, pretending to be righteous just because you're legal. Please, no pretending. If you divorce your wife, you're responsible for making her an adulteress unless she's already made herself that way by sexual prostitutity. And if you marry such a divorced adulteress, you're automatically an adulterer yourself. You can't use legal cover to mask moral failure. That last phrase is just so, so important. Basically, what was happening in Jesus' day 
is people wanted to change their spouse on whims, and they felt that if they were doing it right and they got a certificate of divorce, it was okay. And these, they were bouncing all around. And in this day, men had most of the power, so they could, they could do this at a whim. They could be tired of someone like somebody else and to, to be upstanding, righteous, religious. As long as they got a divorce paper, then they could bounce from another person. So that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying these, these guys especially, because they were the ones who were mainly doing it, bouncing from person to person, woman to woman, and as long as they had that piece of paper, they could show up at events and feel very pious and righteous because they had, in a sense, put their wife away legally, rightfully, and in the eyes of God correctly. And Jesus is calling them out on that. It comes back to the heart. You and I can take scripture, you and I can take concepts and twist things so we can feel okay about it, but be hypocrites about it, be two-faced about it, not be genuine about it. This, this can be applied to all kinds of things where we technically are legal doing it right, but it's not right. We miss the, the spirit, not of the law, but the spirit of the concept. You know, there's verses that talk about, you know, warn a person once, warn a person a second time, then have nothing to do with it. That principle is, is a part of life. You, you know, if somebody is not listening to your counsel and, and they're just getting into trouble all the time, you don't have to be a slave to, in a sense, their bad decisions. But if you're approaching it that way, that, that's not the way to approach it. You're trying to care and help for the person. So if a person will not change... You don't set them up for failure. You don't, uh, you don't, you don't just write them off because fortunately Jesus never writes us off. Uh, I know I've gotten it wrong at least a few times since I've said yes to Christ. And uh, he doesn't write us off. But the, but the idea is somebody needs to, you, you don't have to be a doormat for somebody else. So you need to take that thought and take it under the, under the following of Jesus in your life and know and know how to do that. It's so daily, and it, it, can, be, it can be messy. But, but spiritual life following Christ is messy. When we try to make it all black and white, and if you go back to our option matrix, you'll see there are black and white things, so don't quote me as not saying that. You go back to those weeks where we talk about that. But, but there, there's a lot of messiness. There's a lot of navigating through life. And we, and we navigate through that life with a love of God and love of others, and we do it with grace and truth, fully. Not 50-50, not a percentage. Jesus was full of both things. And so we try to follow him through that. So that is not what Jesus is getting at. Uh, uh, one time when I was growing up or a little bit later, I... Had a, connected with a pastor who made those statements uh, about you know anyone on their second marriage was uh, committing adultery and he just he just blew it all up and he, that was his position until somebody in his family had the same situation and he changed his position very interesting <laughs> and uh, now it was a different position but he never went after the folks that he had just just crushed. And said, you know, I, I was mistaken. I didn't under, really understand what was going on there. And we need to be really, really careful about that. So, so what is Jesus saying? 
what is Jesus saying? Is Jesus, Jesus is not saying that adultery is the only reason for divorce. He's not saying that. He's, he's, there's more going on. We can go all the way back to Exodus. If he marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of food, clothing, and marital rights. If he fails to do any of these things, she must be given her freedom without cost. This is talking about being married to more than one person and uh, all of that. And the idea is that when a husband wasn't providing uh, normal stuff for his spouse, when he wasn't taking care, again, in this culture, uh, the man had all the power, all the you know, people would, wives and their children could literally starve and be destitute. And uh, what, do, what do we see in the New Testament? Uh, a man is worse than an infidel if he doesn't provide for his family. So there's that idea. And so this idea of taking care of, of, of a spouse, of a family. So uh, I believe there's, there's a physical abuse. Uh, I think that there is a uh, spiritual abuse. And again, and if you're looking for a get out of marriage free card, you're approaching it the wrong way. You've got to approach it on the other side of this. And uh, it, there are reasons uh, for uh, ending a marriage and uh, physical, all those kinds of things. And again, we're just, we're just touching on these, on these ideas. Um, I think in two weeks we're going to do a leftovers uh, class after the service so you can bring uh, your um, questions about this and any of the other things we've talked over the last few weeks uh, to that so we can kind of unpack those and talk about those. Um, also, it's not saying uh, this idea of anyone who remarries commits adultery. That is not what uh, Jesus is saying at all. And uh, again, I committed the little culture there. It was almost like, um, it sounds very crude, it was almost like, like uh, um, spouse swapping. And they just got the little sign off from whoever they needed to get the sign off. They got their divorce papers, and then they could just bounce around. And that's what Jesus is speaking directly to. Yes, he wants marriages to stay together and all that goes along with that. But that is really what he's coming down hard on. Because, again, these self-righteous men specifically would feel okay about their life because they got their little piece of paper, and they could just go back and forth, and, and that, that was the way they, the way they lived. Also, he's not saying this. Adultery always needs to end in divorce. Um, I gave you a couple of those examples, and uh, that's not just an automatic, even though it is so heartful, so heartbreaking, it's not an automatic out. Uh, we'll, we'll look at a passage in just a few moments, but uh, listen to a little bit more of what Cheryl has to say. About three months after our divorce happened, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was an unbelievable day, and it was probably, besides the day of my divorce, probably one of the saddest days of my life. And that's because I looked behind me, and I saw what I had left behind. I had made a huge mistake, and the huge mistake was that I didn't know Christ. few months after that, um, I kept hearing this, it was a stirring that was going on in my heart to call Jeff to repent to him for all the things I had done wrong, how I had hurt him, and all 
also just a very small inkling of, I want you to try to reconcile your marriage. Cheryl wrote me a letter and she called me up and said, look, I've written you a letter. I want to come over to your house. I want to sit down in your living room and read it to you. I was very nervous and he wasn't open to me. And I just asked him if I could come over for 10 minutes. And I said to her, look, if you want to come over and talk to me about the girls, that's great. But anything else, I don't want to, ha I don't want to have anything else to do with it. And I said, this isn't about the girls. And he said, no. And I said, just give me 10 minutes. And I finally said, okay, you can come over. You can sit across the room in this one chair and read me the letter. I don't know what kind of response you're wanting from me, but I just want you to know that, you know, I still don't trust you. Take a look at Hosea sometime. Start all over. Love your wife again. Love your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people. Even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. And if you know the story of Hosea, Hosea actually is married to a woman that is unfaithful multiple times. You, you read about uh, as she has children, he names them these names that allude to the idea that they're not even his children. And uh, God tells him to take her back. And that's not saying, again, every situation is like this. I'm, you know, th this is messy, but I want you to see that that is a possibility. Because really, marriage is a picture of our relationship with God. It's, it's a picture of that. Uh, uh, we, the church is called the bride of Christ. And so we're the bride. We make up churches, a group of people, a local church, and we're the bride of Christ. And you see this a lot with uh, imagery with the Israelites. Uh, they, they were unfaithful to their God, their Heavenly Father, their, and actually their husband. And you see that get into the Newer Testament, uh, more of that. And uh, so we, we see that in our own lives. So that does not mean that Jesus says adultery always needs to end in divorce. And again, you've got their story. I've, I've talked to you about those two other stories. It doesn't have to end that way. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying a couple things here. First of all, he's saying a certificate for divorce is setting the bar pretty low. Setting the bar pretty low. Jesus says this, Moses provided for a divorce as a concession to your hard-heartedness, but it's not part of God's original plan. I'm holding you to the original plan and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. And again, that, that on and on what I described is going on here. So it's setting a low bar. If you're looking for a way out of your marriage, you can find a way out of your marriage. That's not the intent. That's not the goal. And the whole thing back with Moses was because the hardness of their hearts. And we need to ask ourselves, how hard is our heart? Even when we've been hurt extensively, does God have the ability to redeem a relationship? Does God have the ability to soften a heart? 
The friend I talked with on the phone this week, I mean, he was horrible to his wife and then his ex-wife. But somehow God touched his heart. And it wasn't overnight. We see this with Jeff and Cheryl. It wasn't a month. It was years. But hearts can be changed. It's possible. Divorce is a matter of the heart. And again, I'm not uh, trying to somebody who got out of a marriage where it was abusive and all that. You know, no, don't stay there. If someone's hurting you, you call the police. You don't stay there. That, that, it's diff- that, that is not what I'm talking about. But most of this time, a lot of this time, it, it, it's all rising and falling on the heart. Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude in grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never get a marriage thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. Got married when I was 22. Not everyone's mature enough to live a married life. Poor Cindy. (laughs) She had to work with me. And uh, I had to grow. And then you throw some kids in there, and woo, is it get crazy. You get to test how selfish you really are. And I could be pretty selfish. And I could dress it up in such a way that the average person wouldn't know it. I know, I know you can never do that. I mean, your motives are always pure, and there's no selfishness in that. But at least with me, I could, I could, I could look very pastoral uh, and be extremely selfish. Uh, I've said this before. You and I talk about raising kids. I discovered that my kids really raised me. I didn't raise them. They taught me things that I never knew about before. My parents never warned me about that. They just wanted grandkids. So anyway, now we're in the same boat. <laughs> Don't tell those stories. <laughs> So what do we do? What do we do? Reconciliation is always the goal until it is impossible. Reconciliation is always the goal until it is impossible. And you're going to say, Dave, how do you define impossible? Uh, Sometimes there is abuse, and and it's, it's, it's impossible. The trust has been broken. You, you cannot take the risk of being put in that situation again. And, and I totally get that. that. That is impossible. But don't make it impossible prematurely. My friend who was divorced for about seven years, if he had married someone else, and I even said this to him, if, if your wife, and I said her by name, by, by name if, if she had married somebody else, the story's over story's over. Um, so it's, it was still possible for them. So, so don't 
get things moving to make it impossible before that time. And I, and I, can't, I can't give you this. I can't go, if this and this and this happens, then I, I, can't, I can't tell you that. If they do that, if she does this, if he does this, then, then yeah, you, you got it made. Do, you know, uh, unless those extreme situations I told you about, um, you, you know, I think a lot of times uh, we close the door to this a lot quicker than it ought to be closed. And I, I can't, you, you'll see with Jeff, you'll hear his story. This was extremely, extremely hard for him. If the unbelieving spouse walks out, this is when you're married to an unbeliever, you've got to let him go. You don't have to hold on desperately because God has called us to make the best of it as peacefully as we can. And so there's this idea of when you're married to someone who's not said yes to Christ, when someone who's not made Jesus the one they're following, the Lord and Savior of their life. But if both people have Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life, there's a lot more room for possibility than impossibility. A growing relationship with God is the pathway for you to take your relationship with your spouse from love broken to love restored. From love broken to love restored. And that means being all in when it comes to your relationship with Christ. We've done lots of message. What it means, I, you know, as simple as you ought to be, I ought to be at least spending 15 minutes a day with blocking out the world with with our Heavenly Father, with God. We ought to be spending time reading His Scripture, praying at least 15 minutes a day. And I'm not, you know, if you only do 14, you're okay, you're 16. No, I, I don't get into all that, but, but you ought to be able to, ex you're not functioning out of your relationship with God when you do that. I'm not making decisions because his spirit is leading me. I'm, I'm making decisions on past experiences. I'm making decisions on uh, things I've learned about God a while back. Maybe a Sunday, but it's been a few Sundays. That, that, that's, not, that's not sustenance for your soul. You're living on fuel from some other day. If we went back and looked at manna, and manna was literally food from heaven, but uh, the idea was you couldn't live on yesterday's manna today. That's the reason it got bad. Some of us need to realize that that great spiritual victory from a month ago or two years ago can't sustain us today. There needs to be fresh spiritual food in our lives. A growing relationship with God is the pathway for you to take your relationship with your spouse from love broken to love restored. More than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. A lot of us are familiar with seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I like how these trans different translations change the wording, not express the original language in just a little bit of a different wording. We read on. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. How many times do you and I respond in a non-Christ-following way because we're worried about missing out? Sometimes it just means that we're not trusting God because we're worried about missing out. 
Then he will give you all the other things you need. Underlined, you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard thing comes up when the time comes up. And I think that includes our relationships. I think that includes our marriages. Love broken is not a problem you solve in a vacuum. It's a desire you direct from a growing soul. Make a difference in people's lives, wherever they're at, by leading them into a growing relationship with God. If we're leading people, we need to have it showing up in our lives, not perfectly, but this idea of a growing soul, a growing relationship with God. It's daily. This is not in your notes, uh, but this, if you're like in this like place where nothing seems to be happening and you go, what do I do? I'm separated, I'm you know, disconnected, whatever. Maybe you're still in the house, but it's like you're separated. Both of you have checked out. Uh, make this your theme. Become the person you want wants. Hopefully, if you're thinking through following Christ, you want someone who's going to follow Christ. So what kind of person do they want? They want someone who's all in with their faith. So you and I need to become a person that's all in on our faith. I've said this a few times. I thought I was going to get hit when somebody said, oh, I'd love to find a person like this. And I go, do I say it? You're not the person you want would want. They don't want someone who lives the way you want. So why, why, would, you, why would you set a target for someone like that? Because they're, if they're so all in with their relationship with God, they're going to look at your life and they're going to see all these gaps and they're, they're not going to be interested in you. And, and that's not to put you down. So, so become the person that you want wants. And see what happens. And see if at the right moment God brings that person into your life. I don't know what kind of response you're wanting from me, but I just want you to know that, you know, I still don't trust you. I was shaken. And I looked at this man that I had hurt so badly and thought, how could I make up? I said, Jeff, you know, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I had felt like, yeah, this is just convenient or just coincidental or that she, after I had been begging for her to fight for our marriage or begging for her to stay in the marriage, that uh, she accepted Christ three months after that. In fact, I didn't believe it. And so when I looked up, he had tears running down his face. I asked him if he would ever consider reconciling our relationship. And because he was crying, I thought that was his sign to me or God's sign to me that Jeff was on the same page that I was. And Jeff laughed in my face. And he said, I will never, ever consider doing that. Don't ever ask me that again. And what she didn't know at the time was it really did hit me. And I would take this letter out two or three times a week at night 
especially when I didn't have the girls, read this letter, and uh, it would really just, you know, I would just weep. What God put on my heart very lightly at first became such a strong force. And he said to me, Cheryl, I want you to walk with me in this, and I want you to pursue reconciliation of your marriage. My desire is that your family and your marriage be put back together. Sometimes I was on my knees <laughs> praying and crying out to God, I, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. It took time for me. What I call is she had to make deposits in my trust account. Another couple years would go by, and I would think, it's four years. <laughs> I can't do this. It really didn't matter what I thought. And God was really showing me uh, week after week how she had changed, and she really was seeking him with all that she had. And through that, I, there was evidence of a changed heart, and not only in Cheryl, but in myself. On your own, look at Matthew 5, 23, and 1 Peter 3, 7. All of those have the idea of our relationships with others, especially our spouses, affect our relationship with God. If you're moving in a way that doesn't honor your relationship with your spouse, you know that... <laughs> First Peter three seven, so that nothing you will hinder, nothing will hinder your prayers. There's this idea that uh, your relationship with God is on the wall in your relationship with your spouse and God. Now there are cases when that's not case. So don't, but 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 sometimes I've had people. Yeah, I'm really focused on my relationship with God and ignoring my relationship with my spouse. <laughs> the, those that those two concepts don't don't correlate. So as we think about this. A Christ-centered marriage is more about becoming the right person than finding the right person. And boy, that statement sounds so unfair. You say, Dave, if you could only know what I've lived with. Um, but it's true. It's about us becoming the right person. A few weeks ago, we showed that little video clip of the couple with a bicycle, and we saw that he was always becoming the right person. Uh, we need to learn how to become the right person. There was evidence of a changed heart, and not only in Cheryl, but in myself. She started inviting me over for dinner to her house with the girls, and for a long time I said no, no, no. And then probably after about a year, I finally said yes one day. Then what started happening about six months into doing dinner together and being together as a family is he actually asked me out on a real date. <laughs> he actually said the words, um, I think it's time for us to get remarried. <laughs> and um, I was overwhelmed. We had been divorced for seven years. And now we're going to be a husband and wife again and a family again and God just put it all back together. On October 3rd, we went to Beaver Creek, Colorado and we were remarried at the chapel in Beaver Creek. I just closed my eyes and I was like, Lord, <laughs> you've done something huge. I, 
I wake up every morning with Cheryl beside me in bed, and it's almost like I have to pinch myself. I can't believe that our family's back together. It's definitely a miracle. We've been remarried now for nine years, and <laughs> Christ is first in our lives. I'm second, and Jeff's second, and our family is second, and Jesus is first. We are Jeff and Cheryl Scruggs. And we are second. There are second chances when we are second. There are tenth chances, a hundredth chances, but there's second chances when we are second. Would you please pray with me? Father, uh, a message like this this morning and brings up a lot of emotions. A lot of emotions from a lot of years ago, from recent, uh, just, just a lot of heartbreak, but also a lot of hope. And Father, I, I ask that you would help us, first of all, see the ground floor is of being second and having you first. And as we start to live out of that reality, that truth, that newfound behavior, that attitude, we can see new chances materialize right before our eyes. Sometimes it takes time, but we still can see that and move in that direction. So I would ask uh, this morning that if somebody has not said yes to you, maybe they know a lot about you in their their head, but they've never said yes to you in their heart, that this would be the day that they accept your love and your forgiveness and their response is they want to repent, change their mind towards their sin, their disobedience, their selfishness, that this would be the day when they would place their trust in you and celebrate your resurrected Savior, Son, means we can live a resurrected life from the ashes. And Father, for those of us who have already said yes today, you would we live out of our faith, really live out of our faith. Would we, we not look to how close we can get to the edge, but would we want to have a love for you that wants to please you and that drives us to live a certain way, which blesses those around us, including our spouses if we're married. For those of us who are struggling in a place where we feel stuck, I ask that the marching orders of being the person that we would want, would want, would flavor the way we interact with you and those around us. We thank you for your grace, but we thank you for your truth, and we thank you for the possibility of a brighter future. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.